Paul's travels and of his desires and the heart of a missionary that we're seeing here, I pray that the passion of Paul rubs off on us as we try to reach our valley and our Jerusalem here, as we try to go through the Good News Clubs here in our schools, or we try to go door-to-door through service or through some kind of outreach, or as we bump shoulders with people along the way of life, whether it's our next-door neighbors or the people across the street or the people we go to school with or the people we work beside every single day. Everyone has a story, and every person has a need, and everybody has a spiritual a groaning and desire that only you can meet. And so would you use us in your great plan, your great uh, commission to reach other people and use our church to see them baptized and discipled and trained in you. Thank you, God, for the ones who are growing here at this church, but let us grow past our four walls, so to speak, of our church and reach out beyond ourselves, especially maybe through this month as it's emphasized in so many different ways. And just light a fire under every Christian tonight, fire of revival to reach our, our valley for Jesus Christ. And use us in that endeavor, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You know the term Ben Carson, and a few years ago they made a movie about Ben Carson, the neurosurgeon. Pioneered different techniques back in the 80s, and the first one to apparently to separate, successfully separate Siamese twins conjoined at the head. He had, he had perfect hand-eye coordination and obviously was a master brain surgeon, the best in the world at the time. And a few years ago when they made the movie, they used the actor by the name of Cuba Gooding Jr. He's a great actor, but I don't think he's a great surgeon. If we had twins that were conjoined at the head that were born... I would not say, you know what, Cuba Gooding Jr. did such a great job on that movie that I bet he's cheaper than Ben Carson. (laughs) I think I'll just opt for the actor instead of the real surgeon because he did such a great job acting. None of us would, would, would put our, our, the lives of our children in the lives of an actor. We would want the real thing. Now, in some ways, what we see across Christendom and what we see when some men fall or what we see across um, um, even, just, even just people who claim the name of Christ and yet aren't living it and aren't matching up with what they are is we're just seeing somebody who's playing a part, somebody who's playing an act, someone who is pretending to be something that they are not. And what we have, we're called to be and do as Christians is to be fulfillers of the Great Commission and to be partakers of spreading the good news of the gospel throughout everyone, everywhere. And this is in some way the single-handed operation by this man who is obviously no actor. He's the real deal, the Apostle Paul. And he's going everywhere with the gospel. He's pretty much, it's almost like he's trying to tackle this single-handedly. He, he basically says the that, that everyone has room to grow. I'm going to spread this everywhere. Nobody's ever arrived. I've never arrived. This is my life's passion, my life's goal. And this is what I'm designed to do, basically. I'm persuaded of you, verse 14 that we read, that, that, that everyone be filled with all knowledge and able to admonish one another. This, this, this text is almost like this personal 
diary or this personal uh, uh, journal that Paul is keeping of these, these inner thoughts that God is giving to him at this time. And he's like, I have this turmoil. I have this desire. I have this passion to just get out there and reach the world. I must keep on going and reaching people. It's not like this text is him being proud, talking about himself. But in some ways, he's, he's leading by example of who he is. He's expressing his own passion for souls and saying, look, come along with me. I want to light the world on fire with the gospel. And I need some help to come along and fan the flames and help other people as well. And so he calls himself, verse number uh, 16, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering, serving up the gospel of God that the, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. He says, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a minister. This is my life's passion, my life's dream, my life's goal is to reach. You guys are going to think this is crazy to his readers. My life's goal as a Jew is to reach the Gentiles. And, and to the Jewish mindset in the book of Romans, there was kind of a schism apparently in the book of in, in the church at Rome between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. And so maybe the Jews receiving his letter would have thought, boy, this guy's on our side. He's going to set these Gentile people straight. Whereas he says, actually, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a minister to the Gentiles. And it's going to seem crazy, but my life's goal is to offer up the Gentiles as a sacrifice that's well-pleasing to the Lord. My life's goal is to be able to, to, to say, you know what, God, yes, personally, I've done the best that I can do. But at the same time, I also have this, I also have these converts, these people that, that I've tried to lead to you and not just, not just a saving knowledge, but actually I want them to be presented to you wholly, these ones that are set apart, sanctified, set apart by the Holy Ghost. Now that, that terminology is basically from the Old Testament where he is writing to a Jewish audience and Jewish readers would understand that the sacrifices that they needed to bring to the tabernacle or to the temple had to be pure, had to be holy, had to be sanctified and set apart, or else it would not be accepted by the priest and ultimately by God. And so what he's saying is my life's goal is just like you understand the sacrifices you brought to the altar had to be pure and precious and blameless, have no uh, um, errors in it. And he says my life's goal is to just build Christians who are just trying to please God and aren't full of this, this thing that could be poured under God's wrath. I have therefore, verse 17, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. The end of verse number 16, I'm offering these that are, that are sanctified by the Holy Ghost, these growing Christians, and that is the thing that I can offer unto Jesus Christ in those things that pertain to God, verse 18. And, and I will not dare to speak of any things which Christ hath not wrought by me. This is not about me pumping myself up or promoting myself or pushing myself in or promoting myself to be something I'm not. This is me. This is me just trying to give glory to God. But through my example, through my passionate example is what I'm trying to do. Here's what I'm trying to do. The end of verse number 18 to make the Gentiles obedient by word. And deed, by word and deed, and verse 19, through mighty signs and wonders, 
So my life's work as a missionary is to go around the earth, he says, and to see people saved, and I'm going to offer those up to Jesus Christ. And I want to train them enough. I don't want to just leave them here, but I want to establish churches and a community of like-minded brethren and, and ordain elders in every city. And that's what he's taught the other young preacher boys under his counsel, Titus and Timothy, to say, look, I want you to, I want you to teach people the, the gospel, not just the saving gospel, but the, the scriptures and explain the scriptures and meet together at least weekly, but, but day to day and in every house, meet together and encourage one another and admonish one another. So he plants churches everywhere he goes. And this church model is this concept that, that, that these group of Gentile converts can say, you know what, I, I have a group of people who I've tried to mentor along in the faith so that, so that in word and in deed and in, by mighty signs and wonders that they're expressing God in their lives, like that God has actually done a change in them. And it's not just this change in me, Paul says, but it's in the people I'm trying to lead and shepherd along and guide in the gospel. That is my life's goal. And that's my driving motivation. That's what I want to do. And, and so the end of verse number 19, so that from the middle of verse 19, so from Jerusalem and roundabout unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I put in here, sometimes we read these, these texts and we don't necessarily take the time to look them up. As a kid, you do because you're bored in church and you look up the, the, uh, the maps in the back of your book. But as adults, you feel rude looking at maps. It's okay if you look at maps during the preaching. That's what I do. I'm not ignoring my dad. I'm listening out of one ear and, and, and focusing my eyes on the maps, trying to figure this thing out. So he's talking about, look at your map that you got, the little handout that's there. So verse number 19 says, So from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum. Illyricum. Where in the world is Illyricum on here? All the way up there? Has anybody found it yet? See Italy, see Rome, see the boot of Italy? Turn right. Illyricum. Modern-day Croatia and Bosnia and Austria. All the way up in there is Illyricum. All the way, all the, wow, Paul, you're way down in Jerusalem? Well, actually, at the time of this writing, he's in Corinth. Can you find Corinth there at the bottom of Greece? Near that island there? So he's there while he's writing. He's talking about Jerusalem. This is kind of my launching base until he moved to Antioch. But, but Jerusalem is like the hub of, of Christianity. It's where it all started. But he's saying, look, I've fully preached the gospel everywhere from, from here all the way up to Eastern Europe, all the way up to Illyricum, all the way up to Austria. I've been preaching everywhere, all the way in between. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And verse 20, yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named. Well, I don't think anybody got further out than you, Paul. I don't think anybody got further up into Europe. This is basically the known ancient world at the time. This is, this is, there were people, obviously, that were living beyond these extremes, but, uh, uh, but historically speaking, these were where the empires rose and fell. This is where the, the center of the world is. The Far East was uh, apparently just completely unknown to them. And so Illyricum, all the way down to Corinth, all the way down to Jerusalem, and everywhere in between, I'm pouring my life, verse number 20, so I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another foundation, verse 21, 
uh, uh, 22, for which cause I have been much hindered from coming to you. Again, who's he writing to? Yeah, Rome, I hear it. I hear you saying it. You can speak up. It's just because it's church doesn't mean you can't speak out. That's all right. So Rome, you see Rome on there. It's in purple in the top left on Italy there. So his goal is to pass through Rome. I want to be there, but I've, I've been hindered from coming to you. I have a great desire for many years. Boy, I've heard so much about Rome. I want to get there, but I just haven't been able to make it. So here's my plan. Verse 24, when I take my journey into Spain, okay, I'll come to you then. On my way, I'll just drop on by Rome real quick and, uh, and, uh, and, and meet you. I've written you this beautiful letter, but I want to make it to Spain. So really, his whole goal is completely off this map. Spain is even further east, way over there. His whole goal was to reach everything to the east and the west and the north and the south and everywhere in between. I just, I, I can't get everywhere, and yet that is my goal. But now, verse 25, look at verse 25. But now I go to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. Boy, yes, jet setting all over the place. My goodness, you need a, you actually need a jet. Paul, what's your problem? He's in Corinth. And so he says, but I've got to make it down to Jerusalem. Did you find Jerusalem? Down in the bottom right, the purple letters down there. I've got to make it to Jerusalem. When you focus on, on Bible maps, a lot of the Bible maps that you look at will only focus on the Jerusalem area of Israel and, uh, and, and will zoom in really far and show you all the cities uh, around the Jordan River and the Dead Sea. And so you see the great scale of Paul's travels when you zoom the map out. And you see the whole Mediterranean Sea here, and the Black Sea, and the Caspians. All these, all these travels that he that he has done. No wonder, no wonder he gets shipwrecked all the time. He's constantly on a ship, going from one place to another. And he says, "Well, why do I have to go to Jerusalem?" Well, verse twenty-six: It had pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make certain contributions. You remember this from Second Corinthians chapters eight and nine. This is all uh, northern Greece and, and uh, southern Greece in there. This is all um, the, uh, the western side of the Aegean Sea there, Macedonia and Achaia. He had been traveling um, with, his, with his party and collecting, collecting funds, collecting monies from these uh, Christians who were apparently dirt poor themselves, and yet out of the abundance of their heart, out of the giving nature of, of hearing that there was persecution going on in Jerusalem, that they wanted to contribute and help them in some way. And so Paul says, I'm going along, collecting funds, and so we're, we have to travel back to Jerusalem. This is earmarked for Jerusalem. And so after we collect this offering, we're going to take it back down to there. But then, verse 28, I'm coming to you, I promise. When therefore I have performed this and sealed them at this fruit, I will come to you. Uh, come by you into Spain. So yeah, I'm basically on my way to Spain, but I'll drop on by Rome real quick. And and boy, I just wish I could be 70 people so that I could spread all over this land. It's it's almost like Paul is just itching to go. I've got to get everywhere. I'm sorry, guys. I can't get there yet, but I want to. Verse 29, I'm sure that when I come to you, I'll come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. This this gospel is the thing that's driving me. 
And so I, I, you, you must pray for me. I, I, I have desires. I want to strive together with me in your offerings, but, but more importantly in your prayers. And the way our church sets up missions is this idea that we're going to strive together with our missionaries as they're traveling along and doing all these kinds of travels and trying to get to Eastern Europe and trying to get to Spain and Rome and Jerusalem and all over the area. It takes funds. And it's not like some plan that we came up with ourselves, but our church pulls monies together just like they did in Macedonia, just like they did in Achaia. And we have a faith promise missions commitment every single year where we're saying, okay, here comes the missionary. And so we've got to store up a little bit every single week. And so we ask commitments from our church members for every single week to be able to contribute to missions financially takes a little bit of setting aside every single week and saying, you know what, I'm going to commit by faith to support those missionaries in need. For them, it was Paul collecting funds from them and bringing it to Jerusalem. For us, it's being able to contribute something like $100 a month to several different missionaries all over the world so that we can both reach Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth all at the same time. And really, that's a scriptural principle that we get from Romans chapter 15 and 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9 and all those working together. But the heart, the drive behind it all, this passion that, that, that Paul is displaying, he says, I'm just a minister of Christ. I want, I want everyone, I want everyone to have the gospel. I, I want everyone everywhere to have the gospel. I don't want just this map to be reached for Christ, but I'm going on to Spain. I'll drop by you. I've gone out to Illyricum already. I need to go down to Jerusalem and everywhere in between. I'm in Corinth planting a church already here. There's problems. I'm trying to uh, fix these problems so I can offer this, this group of Gentiles as sanctified and separated and holy. They have their doctrine straight, so I'm straightening some things out here. And yet this gospel message is too important to just live in Corinth and just live in Jerusalem. And, and it's got to continue living in Rome and it's got to go to Spain as well. The gospel message has to go to everyone, everywhere. Do you agree with that? The gospel message must go to everyone, everywhere. And this is, the, this is Paul's passionate example that this great commission that Jesus gave us this great commission to see people saved and baptized and discipled so that one day we can offer them up as a sweet sacrifice to God, holy and separated and set apart. This is so real. This is going to take more than just an acting Christian. This is going to take a real Christian. This is going to take real effort. This is going to take, this is going to take more Pauls. This, when I read this text, I feel like such a wimp, and I feel like such a failure in some ways. And it's like he has something that's real and I want that. And he's sincere about wanting to write about traveling all over the gospel, not for sightseeing, but for the gospel's sake. That is what he's striving for. That is what he's pouring his life out for God for. When I see people that are passionate about the gospel, I want what they have. I want, I want the real burning fire and passion that they have. We can learn through other people's example. We can learn through people who are excited about... Uh, uh, or, or, or understand things about Scripture intellectually, but I want more than an intellectual approach to Scripture. I want somebody who's living it, not just acting it. I want somebody who this is real and their passion of life is, is what, they're, what they've given their lives to. Those are the people that we follow. Chances are the things 
that have shaped you most in life have shaped you because somebody was passionate about those things. And not that they were just good at those things, not that they just taught you about those things. You have those teachers in school when you were growing up who seemed to know their stuff, but they were so intellectually above the rest of the class that you didn't really buy into it. But the ones you really bought into were the ones who are passionate about it. And you might be into science, you might be into history because of your teacher, and you look back on a time period where you think, that's when I learned to love about this subject, whatever that subject was. And what we need to be as Christians, as the light and the salt of this world, is not just acting Christians by name only, but truly if this is the greatest message, this gospel message is the greatest message that we have to spread to everyone, everywhere, then it can't be spread by mere actors. People will see right through that. There must be something that drives us as Christians to do more than just our token five minutes here and there, more than just our Sunday morning, Sunday night, more than just the occasional, uh, I'm a little nervous, but I'm going to pepper in Christ here and there. No, for Christians to name the name of Christ, he must come out of us. We're truly called to be light and salt. We're truly called to be people who are changing the world. And Paul's not bragging here. He's not, he's not lifting himself up in any way. But what he is saying is, look, this is my life's goal. This is my passion. This is who I am. They had Pride Week at Mount San Jacinto College, Gay Pride Week, a whole week of flying the flags and of having booths out at the fair. And what they're passionate about, they're very well at expressing and although a minute segment of our society is actually homosexual, lesbian, gay, bisexual, although a very, very small segment, I'm talking about less than 1%, I believe the statistics are, maybe around 1%, although a very small segment actually are practicing homosexuals, what they have done through their passion is cause an entire society to accept the lifestyle based on the passionate uh, um, involvement of others. I'm not saying I'm not saying be as aggressive, I'm not saying that kind of aggression, but what I'm talking about is just the passion that drives people's lives. The one that taught me the most about preaching is Brother Sam Davison, who is here for my ordination earlier in this year. Brother Wayne Hardy, who preached my ordination that night, taught me about a passion for church work. Brother Jason Gaddis, who has preached our camp and who has been here preaching for uh, uh, camps and church services before. Their, their passion is what has driven me. The, the things that you, the people that you think of that it was my first pastor that I got saved under. It was this Christian friend that witnessed to me and he was real. It was these friends in the Marine Corps barracks who were always peppering me with the gospel and they were living it. They were in this 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 hell hole of these dorms that we lived in. And, and he was a light. He was salt. He was real. He was somebody that was actually living out what he claimed to believe by faith. And you know those people in your life who rise to the top as actual real Christians. And you think, I want what they had. And I want to be what they were to other people. I want to be that kind of a light and a shining gospel. I want to have those words of encouragement on my lips all the time. I want to be that kind of a real, passionate servant of Jesus Christ. You know that growing in your passion for Christ is not one of those things that is just going to happen naturally. But it's going to take a, a concerted effort to say, I, 
I don't know if my passion is there. I don't know if I'm that kind of salt and light. But starting tomorrow, I want to I learn what it takes to become that. And we were talking just this afternoon. We had rooted over, the rooted class over. Uh, on Sunday afternoons, we're having lunchtime uh, lunches, and then we're talking through this dating booklet. And one of the, one of the principles of the dating booklet was look for, look for people who are just living as general Christians. And so we analyzed different passages of Scripture that just had list after list of quality of what a Christian should be. And saying, look, instead of just focusing on this as Christianity in general, for their case, it was them looking for a wife that was going to be a solid Christian as a compassionate person, as a giving person. What kind of love does she show to her neighbors? What kind of compassion does she show? What kind of a hard worker is she? What kind? And, and lining out these things of not just general Christianity, but of the person you're interested in spending the rest of your life with. But instead of just relating those scriptures to what they should be in somebody else or of Christians in general, maybe it kind of takes the time to turn that as a mirror toward us and say, well, what about me? Like, am I a compassionate person? Am I, am I truly showing love? Am I growing as a Christian? Am I a hard worker? Am I lazy? Do I show tendencies that I would rather not have in somebody else, but those are the exact things that I struggle with? Are they the things I'm expecting of everyone else and yet not doing myself? Preachers always preaching about growing as a Christian and reading your Bible and praying and being a gospel witness and being involved in open house. And I know those are things that, sure, Christians should do. And sure, Paul did it. And sure, he had the drive to reach other people. But what can I do? What can I do? What can I really do this week to be involved in open house? How can I be a passionate witness to my neighbors? How can I be a, 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 a light to my neighborhood how can I be salt to my friends and my coworkers? What can I do? What can I say that's encouraging? I want other people to be encouraging, but not other people. How can that be said of me? What can I do just this week to be an encouragement and help for people? Paul's goal was to bring people through word and deed and train them up to say, you know what, God, here's a group of people who are not perfect people, but they're sanctified, meaning they're set apart. And they're trying to grow in you. That's all Paul is asking of every Christian. But yet through his example, we're called to follow that example as well. This great commission is so real. This gospel must go to everyone, everywhere. But it's going to take some real Christians to put some real feet to the ground and actually back up their words with actions and actually do something that says, you know what, how can I salt and light is not just going to happen as a natural byproduct of my natural man. My sinful nature always wants to do less and less and less. And so, God, can you show me this week how I can have that kind of the passion of Paul? God, can you give me this passion of the missionary mindset? God, can you give me this heart for souls that sees every soul that I work with, that sees every one of my patients, that sees every one of my employees that work for me, that sees every one of my bosses, that sees every one of my classmates as a soul destined for either hell or heaven? God, would you help me and give me that kind of a passion for my family, for my kids, for my neighbors, for my neighborhoods, even for strangers of people I'll never, ever see, even if it's just passing out a flyer on this week. Maybe that spirit 
can say, God, I want the missionary mindset of Paul. Stand if you would, please. That's a simple thought for tonight. It's a simple example that we have from the Apostle Paul, and yet it's a great example of the passion that, that goes into being more than just an actor, more than just a, a faker, but somebody who's the real deal, that real deal is going to show. Brother Grissom's going to come and sing a song.